Welcome to the Smart Talk podcast, your shot of hope for the day, from Pastor Chris Smart of Hope Church Presbyterian in Tampa, Florida. Please take a seat as we turn to God's Word for a moment this morning, and as we focus on what Christ has done for us. I can only imagine it for, for many of you, there's a lot of excitement already this morning, the thought of opening gifts and things like that. You just couldn't wait for that new pair of socks, could you, you know? So as we think of the birth of, of Christ, we think of what's in the box, uh, we know why we're here, because God has given us a special gift And this is the time of the year in a particular way we stop and think about that. But as we do so, we know what's in the box. We know it was a baby, a gift of a small child to us. But there was more than just a baby in that first Christmas box. There was a king in the box. And that's what makes Christmas so special. More than a baby, but a king at this time of Christmas. And we read that in our reading where it tells us that unto us a child is born, a son is given, and in particularly these words this morning, and the government will be on his shoulders. The government will be on his shoulders. I want you to think this morning of that gift of a child, that means there's something quite small about the gift, but because we're talking of a king, there's something about the greatness of the gift, and then there's how do you receive that gift as well. Now, they often say that the best gifts in life come in small packages, and that was true at the very first Christmas. Something as small and as helpless as a little baby. And it's lovely that we have a little baby with us at the back as well, which just exemplifies the helplessness of a little baby that's been born. But that raises a question. If this is really God's big answer to this world's problems, how is this answer big enough to sort out all the mess that's in this world. See, Christianity's answer to the world's pain, it's easy to miss because God doesn't play by our rules. There's no great conqueror here. It doesn't want the church to become the state and run everybody's lives. Instead, he sends a baby Yet here's the paradox. The government will be in the hands of this son given to us, God's own son. The government that will sort out all governments, sort out all problems ultimately. That's what Isaiah was prophesying. And it begs the question for us, another question, well, who should be in charge of this world? Should it be us, or should it be the one who made us? 
I hope just asking that question is enough to answer it. Unless you don't believe in the existence of God or you think Him cruel, the answer is clear. Is it the sheep or the shepherd? Is it the potter or is it the clay? Is it the parent or the child? Shall we put the children in charge of the household? Well, maybe that's already happened today in some places. But we need access to this rule, to this power that creates, nourishes, and protects life. That's God. And God has shown up in history in this unique way, becoming one of us. And He did so, according to Isaiah, at a time that's very similar in His context to our own. There was political darkness, There was economic darkness, moral darkness, spiritual darkness covered the land. And so he says in verse 2, the people were walking in darkness. But to such times, the message of light and hope comes. We will no doubt see much darkness covering all the nations in the new year. Wars and rumors of wars. We need, do we not, great political leaders in such times of darkness. Think of uh, perhaps maybe you could argue the greatest political leader that you've had in America, the massive personality of of Abraham Lincoln. F.W. Borum was a a British writer and preacher, but he mainly lived in Australia, and he wrote this about Lincoln. He said, The massive personality of Abraham Lincoln is like a granite boulder torn from a rugged hillside, too gigantic to be localized. As Edward Stanton, who was part of Lincoln's government at the time, so finally exclaimed in announcing the last breath that the assassinated president had been drawn, he said, he belongs henceforth to the ages. He piloted the civilization of the West through the most momentous crisis of its history, and in so doing, he established principles which will stand as the landmarks of statecraft as long as the world endures. End of quote. Don't we need leaders like that? There's one of the best you've ever had, or maybe you ever will have. But he died. The best that we have is limited, but we celebrate today a government placed in the hands of a small child, and we declare with confidence that that is God's answer to this world. And don't miss that answer just because it comes in a small package, and it seems so weak and so helpless. Notice the greatness of this gift. What comes in the box? More than the baby, but God Himself. It tells us here that, verse 7, of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. Greatness and peace would mark this king, this child's rule. If God is to be in charge on earth? Does that mean that the church should rule society? No, it doesn't. Instead, 
He came as a helpless child, crucified as a servant leader. You see, the only place in the universe where you get unlimited power and it's safe is here in the incarnation. Because it came, this unlimited power came in the weakness of human flesh in order to lovingly redeem us back to God. All other power plays in history by human beings will lead to abuse. There's something about humanity means that we just can't deal with power in our hands. Unlimited power leads inevitably to corruption. Oh, we long to have power to make the world a better place. But when we get it, so often corruption follows. It takes huge levels of integrity to control that. Churches tried to have political power, yes, but it was wrong. The answer isn't to get rid of Christianity, though, when it's been in its excesses, when it's tried to rule over nations as it's done in medieval Europe and times like that, but nonetheless to recall Christianity to its own roots. And what are its roots? Strength, greatness in weakness. That's what you have in this moment of unto us a child is born, strength in weakness. And that's a principle that you have to take with you into every day of 2023 and beyond, because it marks Christian discipleship. Power to do great things in your life will be invested in weakness. It's bestowed upon weakness. St. Paul puts it well when he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And that's important. And when you grasp that principle, it's going to make a lot of sense out of moments in your life when you get confused. Here's God, power, calling, but here's me. I feel weak. I feel fragile. I can't cope. How do you bridge that? Just this week, I read of a, a, a quote from um, a, a Scottish pastor who, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, last few months actually, has been diagnosed with motor neuron disease, which is really uh, a huge impact. And this is what the pastor wrote. He said, when I surrendered my life to Christ almost 20 years ago, I felt he was going to use me, and I trust he has but I wrongly expected to serve purely out of my strengths, not my weaknesses. It's hard to serve when you feel inadequate, but in a sense, that's when God uses us most. Every day is a challenge, a frustration, and a blessing. The mixed conundrum that reflects the ups and downs of living with motor neuron disease, but not accepting it as my identity. End of quote. There's power, there's strength to do great things for Christ and for this broken world, but it comes in your weakness. So remember this when you wonder why you're allowed to face 
mental or physical illness or a situation that leaves you feeling drained or financially strapped, His greatness can only be channeled safely through such weakness. But the greatness is still there. But there's more here too. So, you learn that principle from Christ. You see the promise, not just of greatness, but of peace in verse 7, where it says, of the greatness of His government and peace. It's the word shalom, a deep and rich word that stretches to more than just the absence of your troubles, but the presence of wellness, wholeness, togetherness, having life together all the relationships in life in a good place. And He's promising that through this one who will take the government upon His shoulders, there will be a peace, and there'll be no end to that peace. Now, Christ came 2,000 years ago. This world has not been peaceful, has it? And yes, we can say politically His presence in this world has no doubt mitigated many wars, and many things that would have been worse. But there's still no absolute peace. But here is the promise that God, through the atonement in Christ, is going to subdue all sin, all wickedness, all evil, death itself, and the peace, the togetherness, the shalom, the wholeness will be everlasting. So, the promise of this birth is taking your eyes right into the ultimate future, the new heavens and the new earth, that our hearts need to dwell there. And that's the promise of peace. But in the meantime, there are stepping stones towards that final destination. You can know times of incredible peace in the midst of life's storms because you know who is in control. Who's going to be in control of every day in 2023? And just knowing that can give you deep peace, even in the midst of the storms. So you feel that your life is lived under the authority of Christ as King. That's what gives an everlasting peace. But it does start in this life, even though it's talking about an everlasting peace. It starts here and now. Let me go back to um, uh, Abraham Lincoln. He yearned for that peace that Christ would bring, and for years he couldn't find it. But to quote again, as he yearned for it, he yearned for a fuller, sweeter, more satisfying faith for years. And a few days before his death, he told of the way in which the peace of heaven stole into his heart. He said, when I left Springfield, which I think was the area where he was brought up or where he governed initially, he said, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg, and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. With tears in his eyes, he told his friends that he had found the faith that he had longed for, 
he realized, he said, that his heart was changed and that he loved the Savior. The president was finally at the cross of Christ. And the president bowed the knee to the Prince of Peace. The president who had such power and responsibility found peace only before the one whose shoulders alone are broad enough to, to, to bear the government of this world. That's a peace that's ours when you follow Christ. Do you know that there are enough texts in the Bible that say, do not be afraid, do not fear? There's enough texts to have one for every single day of the new year. And the only reason God will say that to you is because the burden of running your life is ultimately on Christ's shoulders. Yes, you have responsibility. Yes, you have choices. Yes, there'll be hardships. But ultimately, the authority is in the hands of this child. Your will or His will. If it's your will that governs 23, expect an absence of peace. But if it's His will, then you'll find a peace even in the face of your fears. Well, that's great. So how then do you receive such a gift? He tells us, Isaiah does, that in order to find it, you have to trust. And in order to trust someone, it does help if they have a track record, doesn't it? We don't like to trust strangers. We like to trust people who have a track record, that we know that they are safe. And so, he tells us that this child who has been born would come and he would reign on David's throne and over David's kingdom, that he would be from the very line of David. And that was just a reminder to Isaiah's audience that God had been working in this world for a long time. He's a long track record. He was preparing a people through the Jewish people choosing Abraham, making a family out of him, then a nation, then a line of kings, then a specific line through David, and then eventually pointing to a Messiah. God has a long track record of working in human history, messy, bloody, war-filled history, and yet working the most incredible solution to it all. All embodied in one person, all finding its fulfillment just in Christ. That's the Old Testament. But the New Testament sings songs about the kingship of this child that was born. Revelation is probably the great book for finding that. Revelation chapter 1 beginning with these words, grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Who is in charge? 
Who is the ruler over all? This one whose birth we celebrate. The ruler over all rulers. Verse 18, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive and forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Keys. Read of them in chapter 3, verse 7. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. What are keys if you have keys? Keys give you the ability, the authority to open buildings that you might not get into. There's one for Hope House. There's one for our house. One for Hope Church. One for my car. They give me access. They give me authority to open and to go into places that I wouldn't otherwise be able to. And who holds the key to the grave? Who can unlock a tomb? Who can do that? You want to know that because you're going to be standing in plenty of funerals. And one day, it'll be your own funeral. And here is the promise that there's someone who can unlock your tomb. Because he died, but death couldn't hold him. He rose again. And so if he holds the authority even over death, that great immovable force, that that, that one thing that's guaranteed in life, where they say there's two things, taxes as well as death, but you know what I mean. He holds that power. Then he holds the power over every single day. He'll open every single day in 2023. Trust in this king. If you don't, you will live under a tyranny. There is no independent republic from monarchy, ultimately. If you don't live under the authority of Christ as king, you'll live under the tyranny of something else or someone else, even that of your own broken desires. There is no neutrality. Trust not in princes. That's what Scripture says. They fade away and die. We trust not whoever will be your leader in 2024. That's not where our trust will be. That won't be the most important issue that will decide the direction of your life. It's trusting in the one who has authority and power even over the grave. One last and concluding lesson from Lincoln again. Happily, Borum says, he lived to see the sunshine that followed the storm. He lived to see peace and union and emancipation triumphant. His last hours were spent amid services of thanksgiving and festivals of rejoicing. One of these celebrations was being held in Ford's Theater at Washington. The president was there and attracted as much attention as the actors, but his mind was not on the play. Indeed, it was nearly over when he arrived. He leaned forward, talking under his breath to Mrs. Lincoln. Now that the war was over, he said, he would like to take her for a tour of the East. They would visit Palestine, would see Gethsemane and Calvary, and would walk together in the streets of Jeru. And he never finished the word, Jerusalem.
He may not have finished the word, but he did get to visit the New Jerusalem in that moment. A travesty, a tragedy, an evil act, and yet overruled by the one who holds the power of, of life and death. See, death ends the best of us, but death can't end Christ's rule. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government is upon his shoulders. Put yourself under that sheltering umbrella. Let his shoulders carry the burden which is too heavy for your shoulders. Let his will be your first concern of every day in 2023. Amen? So let it be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our King, our majestic King, we want to owe all allegiance to you. Lord, we praise you that what you are unfolding in this world through your kingdom that's invading every corner of this planet is something amazing. And one day soon we'll see the fulfillment of it. One day soon we'll see that your the knowledge of God fills the earth, the waters fill and cover the seas. And Lord, we praise you that you are this one who rules and reigns supreme and even over our death. And should 2023 be the last year for anybody here, we praise you that if our trust is in you, even death doesn't have the final say because you rule even over the grave. We praise you, Lord, for the future that you're going to bring to us, a world of peace without end, a world of glorious light and hope and love perpetual. We thank you for that promise of a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So prepare us to live in that world by living under your rule now. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You have been listening to Pastor Chris Smart at Smart, sponsored by Hope Church Presbyterian in Tampa, Florida. If this message has encouraged you, please visit our website where you can leave a comment, a prayer request, or find out more information about Smart. Our website is hopefortampa.com smart talk. That is H-O-P-E number four tampa.com forward slash S-M-A-R-T-A-L-K. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends and join us again next time.